Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another damn sports podcast once again. As always, I am Drew Torres here with my crappy quarantine beard. He is Money Mike Gilchrist, and today we are going to switch it up a little bit by welcoming a guest from start to finish to talk everything about the NFL draft of 2020. He is the Irishman, the degenerate gambler, the king of college football analytics. He is Patrick Vincent McMahon. Pat, how's it going, man, and how are you holding up during these unprecedented times to use the word that was completely overused during the NFL draft. <laughs> I'm going good guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You know, um, as you alluded to being the gambling guy, it's been tough with no, uh, with March Madness getting canceled. That's my favorite event every year. That, that was unfortunate. And then, um, you know, no NBA playoffs or anything to go right now. So, uh, entertainment wise, it's been, it's been a struggle, but you know, other than that doing well, just, uh, count down the days till everything goes back to normal. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only thing we've had for sports entertainment is old games being played on ESPN or Fox Sports or Fox Sports 1. And, and the, the Last Dance, the Last Dance documentary, I don't know if either of you guys checked that out, but that was actually, the first two episodes are really good, and the next two uh, air tonight uh, on ESPN, the doc series about the uh, 1998 Chicago Bulls. Have you been able to check that out, Pat? Yeah, I did watch the first two. Those They were very good. I'm um, looking forward to tonight. I think they're going to show uh, a lot more Dennis Rodman tonight, so that's always exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's that, I heard the feature is going to be about today as well. Yeah, that's always ideal. But uh, we'll definitely uh, cover uh, that series as the series goes along. Um, but for now, we are here to talk the NFL draft. As everybody knows, the exciting NFL draft just ended yesterday. And all of the teams have drafted all of their hopeful players who hope to make the team and uh, hopefully make an, a contribution in this upcoming NFL season that we hope is going to actually happen. Um, Pat, why don't we start with the two most exciting teams, um, the New York Giants and the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, everybody was really watching, really keying in on who these teams were going to draft. Um, we'll start with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we'll start with basically their three most important picks. Uh, their first pick, which was kind of a surprise to a lot of people, including the analysts on the NFL draft, it was uh, C.J. Henderson from Florida, a cornerback. Uh, what do you think of that pick, and did you think that it was maybe a little bit of a reach, or do you think it was the right call? Um, yeah, I can't really hate on that pick. I think um, the more I was reading, you know, in the days leading up to the draft, I was I was reading that a lot of people were because I know the Jags were trying to shop that ninth pick, and it seemed to be that the teams that wanted to trade up were going after Henderson. His stock, for whatever reason, seemed to be rising late. So. Um, it's a guy that a lot of people wanted, and um, obviously with no more um, Jalen Ramsey or um, AJ Bouye on the team, it's a, it was a big need for Jacksonville. So I think you know it's kind of a, a home run pick there with Henderson at nine, um, and then Kalevon Chasen I think uh, at twenty was a nice pick as well. Obviously their defensive line depth um, took a hit with Clay's Campbell leaving, and then who knows what's going to happen with Yannick and Gakwe, But it's it's tough to see him suiting up, up in a Jags uniform, so. Oh, yeah, he's, getting... he's definitely gone. That's for sure. <laughs> if anybody saw his Twitter exchange with Tony Khan, the son of uh, Shad Khan, it did not look good. And Tony Khan definitely got the better of him in that exchange. They just can't seem to hold their best players. Their, their good talent, top-end talent seems to keep leaving out of free agency or, or for whatever reason. So then they, while they do a good job reloading, it's just a shame that they can't keep the, the good talent they have um, on the team uh, on defense. Well, unfortunately, I think a, a big catalyst of that was uh, Tom Coughlin. Um, unfortunately, the players did not appreciate the uh, the hard style that Tom Coughlin brings to the locker room, the very uh, 
dictatorship style. Um, so we'll right. see what what the new players uh, and the new regime decides to do. <laughs> and as Mike shows his Tom Coughlin book, hey, That's right. he, he did his best. Win, written by Tom Coughlin, the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And the the last most important pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars was the was Lavisca Chenault from uh, Colorado. And I know you were saying so, that you you had high praises for this guy, right? Oh yeah, I love Chenault. I think that's a um, a great pick in the second round. Um, I I actually had tweeted on Thursday before the first round. I think in a very good receiver class, I think he has a potential to be the best um, the best one. He's just so fast and strong, like just a great combination, you know, of those two things. And um, just so athletic, too. Like he's probably the best um, after the catch receiver in the draft. Like if he gets the ball, he still has to polish his route running, you know, and stuff like that. But um, if you get the ball in his hands, he's so hard to bring down, uh, you know, just because of that combination of size and speed. And he, he was a little under the radar because he didn't have great – uh, quarterback or offense around him at Colorado and also this year uh, his junior year he dealt with a lot of injuries but when I first uh, started watching this guy when he was a sophomore I think um, I watched him against Nebraska just light it up I've been following him ever since uh, he, he's an absolute stud so I think the Jags got a, a steal with uh, Chenault in the second round so do you think that if you were a front office guy, you would take Chenault over guys like C.D. Lamb or Ruggs? Or do you think that uh, those the teams that took those guys made the right call? So it, it, I think those guys are going to be good as well. But I just think in the in, in the immediate future, like you're probably better off with a C.D. Lamb or a Jerry Judy. They're way more polished, like as a route runner, you know, just getting themselves open, stuff like that. But um I think in the long term, Chenault has if if he you know as long as the Jaguars don't mess him up, if he uh, which you, you never know with their wide receiver history, but uh, if he can develop properly, I think he's got five years from now. I think he'll be the best player. All right, well that's uh, great news for Jags fans, including myself, and we will move on to the New York Football Giants with Money Mike Gilchrist. Yeah, well, so the New York Giants. Uh, they were going to get criticized and double-checked no matter what they did in the draft because nobody trusts or likes David Gettleman. Sorry, no one does. And their head coach is a first-year guy who nobody thought was qualified to be a head coach in the NFL. So no matter what they did, their pick was going to be second-guessed. And the first pick they did, they took um, they took Andrew Thomas uh, from Georgia, an offensive tackle. I thought going into the draft that they would go either offensive line or defensive line. Now, a lot of Giants fans were hoping they would go after Isaiah Simmons from – Clemson, because he's such a versatile defensive end, we really didn't have a strong pass rush last year. Um, most of our defensive line is filled with, like, run stoppers. Um, but I figured they'd probably go offensive line, given the last two drafts they've picked with their first pick a quarterback and a running back, so they really want to protect those assets. Um, but when Andrew Thomas was drafted and he was ranked uh, fourth on Mel Kuyper's list, I kind of was like, really? So, But, uh, Pat, I guess you felt pretty positive about Andrew Thomas. Uh, tell me why. Um, yeah, I just think he's a really safe pick. Uh, you know, he doesn't have the physical traits and the upside necessarily that guys like Tristan Wirfs and Mackay Beckton did, but he was just consistently productive at Georgia um, and, you know, playing against tough SEC defensive line, linemen his whole career. I believe I read he only gave up like three sacks in the past three seasons or something like that. So he's just a model of consistency, and I think he's a guy that, um, we'll start for them right away day one and, and be a, a really good player. 
Yeah, I, I think what Joe, uh, I, I saw an interview with Joe Judge with some of the uh, the New York Giants uh, radio analysts, and he said what he, they they really liked about Thomas was his uh, behind the scenes stuff, this, like how hard he works, how his coaches talked about how he's so focused, and they really liked his background compared to a Makai Becton who failed a drug test at one point right. in college. So, I mean, that kind of stuff is really important to the New York Giants. It has been for years. Uh, but when I'm watching the draft and they show that Andrew Thomas's skill is playing the drums and they show Mackay Becton pushing a Ford F-150, I'm like, who got the better guy? But, <laughs> but we'll see. I'm, I'm, I was very happy with the Giants' second pick when they took Xavier McKinney at safety from Alabama. That I thought was a great pick because he was the best safety in the draft. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, you know a lot of guys – thought uh he was a first rounder i think i think kuiper had him like top 15 on his big board so a ton of value getting him in the second round and also you know hitting a position in need uh, i agree great pick as well yeah i mean the giants really their focus on this draft david gettleman said before him we're going to sew up this offensive line once and for all and out of their 10 picks three were offensive line and then they really also stocked up on linebacker because that was another position they were really weak in last year again with the 30th ranked defense they had a lot of holes to fill. And if you look at the Giants uh, after the draft at their defensive roster, 78% of their roster has is from the 2018 year or newer. So they have 37 men on the roster. 29 have experience from 2018 or have no experience at all. So they're a young team. They've got a lot to develop and a lot to learn. So I don't see anything happening for the Giants this year as far as being a contender team, but hopefully in a couple of years, these young guys develop and they can have a really bright future. That's the only thing I can hope for as a Giants fan right now. Yeah, well, it sounds like uh, you guys have something to look forward to. As uh, I, I saw that it's been seven out of the last eight seasons, you guys haven't made the playoffs, which is uh, pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, and the one year that they did was that whole Miami trip with the wide receivers where they were going to Green Bay, Wisconsin, in January, and they decided to take a trip to Miami for a few days. Real, real smart, guys. Oh, no. Well, hopefully uh, Daniel Jones and company can turn around for the New York Giants, finally, and uh, hopefully the new uh, coach can make a big splash in the high-pressure environment that is New York. But uh, we'll move on to the next, probably most interesting team in terms of uh, – news is the Philadelphia Eagles, at least in my opinion, because they made a really interesting decision to draft Jalen Hurts. And it sounds like uh, head coach Doug Peterson is planning on using Jalen Hurts in kind of a Taysom, Taysom Hill uh, role, similar to the Saints. Pat, uh, how do you think Jalen Hurts is going to perform in the NFL? Um, It's tough for me to see him being like an, you know, a, a consistent starter. I think he will do very well in that Taysom Hill kind of role. And I thought it was a little bit high to pick someone like that. But, I mean, it depends on how much you use him. If you're going to use him, you know, 20, 25% of the plays on the field, then that's, you know, it's fair. But if you're not going to – if you're going to stow him away and only bring that package out for him, you know, once a game or, or once or twice a game, I don't think – I think that was a little too high to take him in the second round. Uh, but then again, if they waited for in, in the third round, he probably was going to be off the board at that point. So I understand the move. Um, I just I don't know. I, I don't think he has the the skill to develop into a, a full time starter long term. But if you do keep him in that uh, Taysom Hill kind of role, I think he, he can do well. So you're saying that if which is what is expected, if Wentz goes down with an injury, um, mm-hmm. do you think that Jalen Hurts would be able to come in and make a impact right away or do you think that they're going to struggle if he's the starting guy going forward i think that they'd, they'd probably struggle I, I don't think he's he's really 
that polished in the you know intermediate and short throws. Um, so yeah, I don't see him really being a, a productive starting NFL quarterback. And everybody always says with these uh, quarterbacks from the big name schools is that oh they have such great experience playing against top tier competition. They're winners. <laughs> they win championships. But the difference between the college and pro game is so so vast you know like even if you are such a successful quarterback in the sec it doesn't matter like like the nfl is just a completely different animal would you agree yeah definitely and then and you look at even his like biggest um in all of his biggest games in college he didn't do that great you know lost to clemson as a freshman and he was a freshman you know that's a, a tough position to be in in the national title and then in his next year as a sophomore, he got benched at halftime against George in the title game, and and to attack by Loa had to bring him back. So, you know, I don't know. It's just it's tough. I don't think he he has. He's a good player, and and he's a great athlete, um, and can make the deep throws. But I don't think he has the the shorter intermediate game to really get it done like you need to do in the NFL. And I guess there's a reason why he fell to the second round. But uh, and then the other big pick for the Philadelphia Eagles is their uh, their first round pick, number twenty one. Uh, Jalen Rigor from your neck of the woods, TCU. Uh, what do you think of this pick? I, I, I didn't hate that pick. I think um, I was a little surprised. I thought it was going to be Justin Jefferson from LSU. Um, but Rieger's a good player. Uh, he kind of struggled. He, his numbers don't amaze you in college, but he never really played with a good quarterback. And, you know, I know his combine really helped. He did great 40 times and showed off his, his athleticism. So, uh but I know the the one knock on, on Rieger is he struggled with drops. And, you know, Philly fans have been scarred at that recently with Nelson Aguilar. And and uh, so he's just hopefully if he can clean that up or else uh, the Eagles fans will get on him right away if he's, if he's dropping passes out there. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Yeah, with Nelson Aguilar back in the last couple of seasons, he got a lot of heat from that Philly fan base that is known to give a lot of heat. So. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, they're, they're hoping that their top two draft picks can make an impact right away. Mike, what's the, uh, the next topic we're going to cover? Who's the next team? Well, I, I actually w- wanted to go into a, a, another surprising uh, quarterback choice, uh, which is the Green Bay Packers taking – they traded up to get Jordan Love at 26. Now, when we saw this, we saw a bunch of media people freaking out, like, why didn't they get Aaron Rodgers a weapon? Yeah, uh, they still have to win – they can still win a Super Bowl next year. Uh, but let's let's take a pause, guys. 15 years ago, the Green Bay Packers went 10-6, and six, and they did host a playoff game, and Brett Favre was still playing well. He was 35 years old. And what did they do in that draft? At pick number 24, the Green Bay Packers took Aaron Rodgers. And that, in the long run, worked out well for them. But I'm sure back then, the media criticized taking Aaron Rodgers, and Brett Favre, I remember, was pissed about them taking Aaron Rodgers. Now, if you're the Green Bay Packers – and you know that you're going to be a team that's going to be a contender for the next five, six years with Aaron Rodgers, right? Maybe four to five years with Aaron Rodgers. You're never going to be that team that's in a position like Cincinnati or Miami or the Chargers this year to take a quarterback high in the draft. So if you see a guy that could be your potential future, I feel like you have to jump on him. Like, do you guys both agree with that? Or did you think that it was a mistake for them to take Jordan Love when they did? Um, I mean, I kind of – I didn't love the pick because uh, I just don't think he uh, – he's that great of a player. And I think it gets to the point where after with quarterbacks, after the first couple guys who are clearly studs, just the way the market goes, whether the next guy is very good or not, like they're going to start going in the first round. Like I, I think with love and hurts, I'm not a big fan of either, but just based on 
the fact that there was they were the next guys like the the mark the way the mark goes for quarterbacks you're you're going to get picked pretty high first round second round like he wasn't super polished but that's a thing that you're drafting him late in the first round it makes more sense than early because you're giving him time to develop under Rodgers and that's something I think Love needs I don't think he's ready to start right away but I can't really knock on the pick yet um like you said it's so early four years from now if if he's finally gets the call to start and he does well, then it could pay off. So um, can't knock on it too much, but I, I do think it's, um, you know, you're going to obviously take a lot of heat when you trade up and give up some other picks and other uh, assets to take a guy that's not going to s- step in right away. Right. And honestly, I I kind of agree with the criticism a little bit that they need to get Aaron Rodgers some help. You know, like, right. like I was just talking about this with uh, Zach, who's a Minnesota Vikings fan. Um, the NFC North is kind of, it's not wide open, but like the Packers can definitely still dominate that division, you know, but the issue is Aaron Rodgers doesn't really have the types of targets that he needs to dominate to the level that he can. I mean, he has Devontae Adams and that's basically it. He's the only consistent, uh, target that he's had in the, for the past couple of years. And, um, now they basically, (laughs) they got their two best players, uh, last year were obviously Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. So what do they decide to do? They basically drafted a backup for both positions as opposed to getting someone that could help. Yeah, as, for- a, as a whole, they didn't have the, the strongest draft, according to the experts. I mean, out, out of their division, they were ranked the worst. And actually, in the NFC, they were ranked to have the worst. They, their draft grade was a C plus. Yeah, so it, exactly. So I, I don't think it was the best call to go for Jordan Love, especially since he seems like he's such a raw prospect, someone who really needs a lot of work to become – uh, a solid quarterback in the NFL. So I, I think uh, the criticisms are definitely warranted, but we'll see how it all pans out. So the next team that I think we should go to is the next most important team, according to our viewers, is the Buffalo Bills. Now, they did not have a first-round draft pick because they uh, traded that pick away to get Stephon Diggs, which we talked about on the last show. But which they used well us- worth it. Just to note, that was well worth it, in my opinion. <laughs> yes, I 100% agree. Alex Dean does not. But uh, in the second round, they took A.J. Epineza. I mean, I'm probably saying all these names wrong. Uh, a defensive end from Iowa. And then they took running back Zach Moss in the third round from Utah. And the next most interesting pick was they took Jake Fromm in the fifth round, quarterback out of Georgia. Now, I remember when Jake Fromm was first introduced into the college football scene, Pat, uh, he seemed like he was someone that was going to be a highly touted, uh, trendy, uh, early round pick. Um, but then as the years went on, it seemed like his draft stock just kept falling. Why was that the case? Yeah, I think it was mostly because when he came in as a freshman, he stepped in for uh, an injured Jacob Eason and took him, took George all the way to the national title game and, and where they lost to Alabama. And it was at his poise and, you know, just um, ability to, to play under pressure was amazing for a freshman. And you're like, okay, this guy's, you know, still technically isn't quite there. He doesn't have the biggest arm, but he'll develop. And I think the reason his stock was falling is that he just never really got that much. He never improved that much. Like he was good as a freshman, but he didn't get better in his next two seasons. Um, so that's, that's why you didn't see him in the, in the top two rounds. Uh, but for the fifth round, you know, it's not a bad pick because at, at that point you don't have too high of an expectation for him so he can come in he's a good locker room guy he can come in uh back up josh allen and uh you know maybe down the road if if he uh develops he could end up being a quality player 
Now, do you think that he would be per- the preferred backup option to someone like Matt Barkley, who you you already know what you have in Matt Barkley, and with Jake Fromm, there is still some potential? Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think he'll probably be the third-string guy. I think Barkley um, is a little more talented as it is. But, uh, you know, you never know. It, it'll be – I think – It'll be close in the preseason. We'll we'll get to see them. Well, if there is a preseason, uh, get to see them duke it out. But uh, I, I'd go with Barkley right now. And uh, what do you think of the other two uh, picks that I mentioned, Zach Moss and AJ Epineza? I did actually really like both those picks because uh, Epineza was just for pure value. Um, a lot of people had him going in the first round. So if you can get a guy at fifty four, uh, it's a really strong pick. And Zach Moss, I really like too. Um, this is actually a sneaky good running back class. Uh, and Moss is basically a, he plays exactly like Frank Gore. So you just get a younger version of Frank Gore with fresher legs, um, you know, to be, to complement Devin Singletary. I think that's, uh, he'll do really well. And, and the Bills fans will really enjoy watching Moss play. Oh yeah. And it'll definitely be good to have that uh, running back type that complements Devin Singletary's style where he's more of a, a speed guy, you know, he, he uh, jukes out defenders. He's more elusive where, and then you have, Moss, who sounds like he's going to be the guy that just runs it up the middle, runs it down your throat, and hopefully uh, plunges it into the goal line many times for Bills Mafia to see. Uh, Mike, any thoughts on the Buffalo Bills, or are you just like, whatever? Uh, I, I really didn't have a strong viewpoint on the Bills draft one way or the other. It seems, I, I'm just going, since I'm not a huge draft expert, I kind of went based on what experts were saying. And the Bills got a high grade across the board, of a bunch of different, like ESPN, Fox, like at the NFL Network. So, Seems like they had a positive draft. Uh, people feel really good about what they've done. They, I think they made some, a strong free agency move and and uh, and trade to get uh, Diggs to the roster. So, I mean, the Bills need to uh, keep pushing on the pedal because this is the first time in uh, 10 years, uh, 20 years, that the Patriots are not guaranteed to win the East. So, you know, this it, that division's wide open for the taking right now. And the Bills on paper going into the draft, I think we're the best team. And I think coming out of the draft, they're still the best team. And uh, if I'm a Bills fan or if I'm part of the Bills organization, that's what I want to position myself as. So I felt, I felt good about that. Um, in their division, though, I want to jump to this. The Miami Dolphins had three first-round draft picks. Pat, do you feel like the Miami Dolphins capitalized on their three first-round opportunities that they had? Yeah, I do. I think um, just taking Tua, I think right, right there, um, almost you know makes a draft a plus by itself because I think Tua has the potential to be the best uh, player out of this draft, and even more so than Joe Burrow. I think the only reason I think if Tua was healthy all year, um, it would still be you know a debate, but I think he probably would end up going number one because his upside is just um, amazing. He, the guy, can you know just hit forty-five yard passes just on a string he's so accurate has such a strong arm right um, and i know you know the hip injury is obviously concerning but and, you know if they can you know if they can keep them healthy the sky's the limit for tua and then i think with 18 you know austin jackson the the tackle um was a solid pick uh you know i think they were it, some people said it was a reach but i think it was just important for them to get a guy right away to, uh, you know, help bolster that offensive line, protect to us. So they were they were set on getting uh, one of the top tackles in the first round. Um, so, you know, they, they got they did so there with uh, Jackson. Um, and then, you know, going corner in at the end of the round, um, you know, can't can't fault that either. There's another area need. Their secondary was pretty weak last year. So, um, you know, I think really 
really strong first round for the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I, I agree with you on the two pick. I think if he's healthy, he uh, to be able to get him at five was a really good pick for Miami. And uh, I know that there was some debate whether they were going to get Tua or Justin Herbert because everybody knew that Burrow was going to go to the Bengals. But I think if Tua is healthy, I, he's better than Herbert. And I think yes. of those three guys uh, between Burrow, Herbert, and Tua, Tua has the opportunity to have the most success out of the three. Well, that will be solved a few years from now. But uh, I definitely think that that was a great pick for Miami. And I, I they started playing better at the end of last year. Miami is not a team you can write off to win that division next year. They're just not. All right, so uh, moving on to everybody's favorite team, America's team, the team that everybody loves to hate, the Dallas Cowboys, led by Sir Jerry Jones. It, it sounds like they actually had a pretty decent draft. Everybody is saying that they uh, had a really good showing. Pat, what do you think of their uh, their top two picks, maybe even top three picks, C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma, Trayvon Diggs from Alabama, the cornerback, and Neville Gallimore, defensive tackle from Oklahoma? I did like all those picks. Um, I think CD was just – they prob- people probably expected the Cowboys to go in a different direction, maybe offensive line um, or even like safety or, or linebacker. But with Lamb dropping to them at 17, I don't think anyone expected him to still be there. It was just too good to pass up. And he's you know, such a talented player. is going to um, work really – I think he fits into the offense really well, um, complimenting Amari Cooper and uh, giving Dak another, another target. Um, and you know, Trevon Diggs, who was a solid, uh, pick at, at corner. He was a guy some people had going in the first. So getting him, you know, middle of the second, um, was, was, worked out well for them. And, uh, Neville Gallimore too, you know, I think he was considered a good value pick. So can't fault them for any of those, but I will say, I think they needed to bolster their offensive line a little more. It, that line's been so good for a long time, but they just, they're getting a lot older now dealing with injuries. Tyron Smith can't seem to stay healthy. So I, I would have liked to see them take an offensive lineman in the in the first three rounds. I think they really need to improve that area. Maybe they still will will try to find someone in free agency, but that's that's the one knock I have in their draft. And honestly, drafting C D Lamb here, that if C D Lamb can live up to the hype, they are going to have such a solid wide receiver core and they're gonna have such great skill position players. Like Dak Prescott has zero excuse to not show up in the big games. He has zero excuse to just not be good because like these guys amari cooper cd lamb zeke elliott uh michael gallup like these are the guys you need to bring your dallas cowboys team to the next level that has been expected to get to that next level for the past few years and has failed completely wouldn't you agree mike yeah i i think that the um the cowboys getting dak another weapon with that first pick and cd lamb was one of the best receivers in the draft definitely was a, a, a really good pick for them uh as much as that annoys me to say that um, but the, the thing with Dallas is that if they can't seem to reach an agreement with Dak Prescott, is he going to play next year? I don't know. He might be a little child and hold out. So we'll see. Uh, but they, no, they had, they, uh, they had a really good draft. They made a lot of really good selections. And the thing is that over the years that Jerry Jones has been like the GM, he's made a lot of great picks on paper, but they always seem to screw up when it counts. So we'll see the thing with these, when, with the NFL draft, it's just a matter of, uh, did you pick the right people for you and for your system? We'll find out. I, I hope, uh, once again, the Dallas Cowboys made a lot of good picks that don't end up working out for them. That's my dream. Uh, but you know, these guys are uh, good players and, um, uh, I don't know. Screw Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, <laughs> maybe we should try and be a little bit nicer to Dak, at least today, because we did hear, unfortunately, yes. the, the sad yes. news about his brother. Uh, yes, I, I, that, that was like on, that was the same day as the first day of the draft. Was that that day? Uh, yes, Thursday. Okay. Yeah, that was that, that was terrible. Yeah, I feel very bad to hear about that. His brother was only 31 years old, so I really, really hope it wasn't. I mean, it's horrible either way, but I hope it wasn't because of the coronavirus because I know Dak was under fire for for a lot from a lot of the media about holding that huge party, you know? Uh, there are only 10 people there, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure there was only 10 people with that much food. and right. it, it was a rough look, but very either way, very sad. Yeah, very um, but there's a, a, another team that uh, that I wanted to cover on the podcast today was the uh, Carolina Panthers. And the reason for that is that they're in the most interesting division, I think, in the NFL going into next year, uh, the NFC South, with Tom Brady going to Tampa, uh, Gronk now going to Tampa, uh, Atlanta got their hands on Gurley, and of course the Saints are always a amazing offensive squad. The Carolina Panthers are like, I, I don't know if it was the first team ever, but they're the first team in a long time to draft, they had seven draft picks. They went all defense, all defense on all seven of their picks. So they're clearly focused on getting playmakers on defense to match up well against those three teams with really, really strong offenses. And they they addressed their offensive needs uh, in free agency. Like they signed McCaffrey to a huge contract. They went out and got um, the, the guy they took from the Saints, the quarterback, uh, Bridgewater. Bridgewater, thank you. I, his name escaped me for the moment, but that's probably because he's going to be the worst quarterback in that division. But he's still pretty good. He's a good game manager. <laughs> so, uh, what you got, Pat? What do you think of Carolina's selection in the draft? I think they did pretty well. Yeah, I tend to um, agree with Mike. I think the uh, Panthers did a good job bolstering up that defense. Um, I really like Derek Brown, the defensive tackle out of Auburn. Um, I was actually talking with Andrew on draft day. I thought he would have been a really nice fit for the. Uh, Jaguars, but he obviously didn't make it that far. Um, I think he, he's a top five, honestly, a top five talent in this draft. So I think he'll he'll contribute right away. Um, and then Gross Matos in the second round, another guy in the defensive line. Um, so they're making a priority to to get better on defense, get after you know opposing quarterbacks, which is is definitely needed playing in that tough uh, NFC South. And I remember from that conversation, you were saying that if Derek Brown falls to the Jaguars in the first round, that that's definitely who they were going to go with, but it sounds like if, uh, for some reason, if Isaiah Simmons was still on the board, they were they were honestly thinking, or no, they were thinking if Henderson was taken before them at pick number nine, they were uh -huh. going to take uh, Kaisen as opposed to anyone else oh, okay. for the, with the ninth pick. I was like, really? Wow! So they got their guy at at twenty two. That's uh, works out well then. Yeah, yeah, they were very happy about that. Uh, Mike, anything else about the Panthers? No, it's just uh, of the four teams in their division, um, I think they had the best draft overall. Um, and going into next season, I think they're going to be the – like before the draft, I thought they are going to be the worst team in their division. Now I'm not sure. Maybe they'll be – you know, th those, those games are going to be the most exciting games to watch. If you're not a fan of any of those four teams – Watching those games is going to be the most exciting you'll have as an NFL fan. That's not your own team, I think. Like you know, on like Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football, or like those four o'clock games after your team's played at one. If you can catch Carolina versus New Orleans, or New Orleans versus Atlanta, or Tampa Bay versus any any uh, NFC South matchup next year, is just going to be a fun game to watch. 
Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. The NFC South is definitely going to be the most highly contested and interesting division in football. But uh, I want to move on to Pat's final thoughts. I want to hear the team that performed the best in the draft, you, the team that you would give the highest grade to, and then the team that you would give the lowest grade to that really didn't address the crucial needs that they had going in to the 2020 NFL draft. Um, so for winners, I think there's a lot of teams you could go with, but um, the team I thought did the best job was the Vikings. Uh, they, I know they traded down from their, they had two picks to begin with They in the first round. They traded down um, for one of them and just end up getting a lot more picks in the back end, which I think I'm a big believer in just the more picks, the better. Um, that's kind of how we've seen the Patriots um, during the, their dynasty. Belichick loves to accumulate picks. You know, these guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, you know, they're not all going to be winners, but um, anytime you can get a, a solid starter out of those rounds, that, that adds up. Um, and then I like their two, both their first round picks, Justin Jefferson. Um, I think he's probably the third or fourth best receiver in that class. Um, and he kind of fell them at 22. I think that was a no brainer, especially losing, um, Stefan Diggs. I think he can step in and might not be as good as Diggs right away, but he could be a solid starter day one. And they desperately needed, uh, some help in the secondary too. So they've taken Jeff Gladney TCU corner at 31, um, hit a big area need. And then Ezra Cleveland, the tackle from Boise State, he's a guy that can play kind of all three positions on the offensive line, and and some people thought was going to go in the first round, so got good value from him there. Um, and then, like I said, just the fact that they had all these picks late, um, you know, they're not all big names, but I think a couple, if you can just get two or three of those guys um, to, you know, be solid starters down the road, that, that ends up being a win right there. Yeah, no, absolutely. It sounds like they definitely bolstered up their roster a lot, and I'm sure our friend uh, Zach Novak's going to be very happy about that as a Vikings fan. He was actually talking to me yesterday and saying that he was very happy with how the Vikings draft was going at that point. So uh, that's some great news to hear. And then uh, who was the worst team? Um, so I'm sticking with the uh, NFC North here. I actually think the, the Packers, who we kind of covered before, they had, in my mind, one of the worst drafts. But I think the Chicago Bears, um, I'm, I'm going to – choose oh, for having worth um i like that even though they took my guy cole Komet, uh notre dame tight end with their first pick in the in the draft in the second round tight end um, you yeah well that was uh exactly well that was a good value um i just don't think they needed a tight end right there um you know i, I think they have i did did they cut trey burton or they released trey burton i know he's is he not on the roster anymore um i have no idea mike do you know or uh, I, I know I don't, I don't think he's on the roster anymore. Jeez. Right. So I understand that they ha they had to need a tight end, but I I read they also had nine other tight ends currently signed. So it's like yes, your your star is gone, but did you really need to spend your first pick in the draft um, on a tight end? Um, and then just they didn't have a lot of picks, so I think that's a, another a reason. You know, I'm kind of low on them because um, I do think it's important to have as many picks as you can. Um, but then you know just looking. I think they really need to address the offensive line, and they didn't do that until the seventh round. So that's that's why I'm low on, on the Bears. I don't think they really hit their area, areas of need too well. I will say I did like Jalen Johnson, the corner from Utah, in the second round. Um, if we, a few picks after Komet, I think he's a solid player. I can contribute right away on coming from a great Utah secondary this past year. But other than that, you know, I think a lot of their other picks were questionable. And like I said, I think they really needed to address the offensive line a lot earlier, and, and they waited till the seventh round to do so. 
According to ESPN.com, Bird's not on the roster anymore, but they did get Jimmy Graham in free agency this year. Okay, right. Yeah, they just have so many tight ends. I just I don't know why you you spend your first pick on one. Yeah, that, that makes it even worse. Like you already had Jimmy Graham. <laughs> like, yeah, so the have... tight ends are Jimmy Graham, Demetrius Harris, and now Cole Komet. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah, so that doesn't make any sense. And like you said, they have to bolster the offensive line because they now they traded for Nick Foles who we obviously learned he can't do anything if he doesn't have a solid offensive line in front of him because that was the exact situation he had in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that low grade for the Chicago Bears. It's very unfortunate as uh, that fan base has been really, really clamoring for a successful team that can go deep and have a deep playoff run. So uh, we'll see what uh, Matt Nagy can do with the pieces that are given to him. Mike, uh, I saw there was some very big news following the NFL draft that uh, Jameis Winston has signed with the New Orleans Saints as the backup to Drew Brees. What are your thoughts? Um, my thoughts were he couldn't get an offer anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I really didn't think too much of it. It's like, well, if uh, the Saints have the issue of losing Drew Brees for a few games next year, they're not going to have the same success as they had with uh, Bridgewater, I don't think, because Bridgewater, the thing that he was skilled at was – managing the game and taking care of the football. And that is not a skill of Winston's. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I was a little sad to not see him go to the Patriots. Cause I thought that would have been a really funny swat switch where Tampa Bay gets Tom Brady and new England has Jameis Winston. So that dream was crushed. But uh, other than that, it's just like, man, well, he's not going to be a starter next year. And, uh, but that kind of, uh, I'll pivot to this. Were you, either of you surprised that the Patriots did not draft a quarterback in this draft? A little bit, but because um, I yeah I don't think that um, what's his name the Auburn kid is is I don't think he's the guy for them. But I also don't think there was a lot of value in taking because they didn't have a first round pick and you know I was I was like I said earlier I wasn't too big on on anyone after the first three quarterbacks. So I I, I think it's he he doesn't Belichick's not a guy that's going to reach. So I wasn't surprised they didn't take anyone in the second round, but. I, I just don't think um, that going forward. I, what, what's that guy's name? The kid, the dude from Auburn who's, who's Stidham. Jared yeah. Stidham. I don't think Stidham's the answer. So I'm just surprised that they haven't addressed that in free agency yet either. Between the two, free agency and the draft, that hasn't been addressed yet. Maybe maybe they don't have something I don't. You know, you can never put a pass Belichick. Maybe Jared Stidham is going to be a good player, but I, I I'm just I just don't see it. Well, yeah. I mean, Jared Stidham, he had uh, a few couple rough looks last season when he came in. I mean, they were destroying the Jets, and he comes in, and I think he went through two pick sixes, or at least two picks, two turnovers. He, one was um, a pick six, I think, and the other one was almost a pick six. Yeah, so, I mean, he looked rough, but that's such a small sample size. You know, now he's going to be going into the season with a full off season where he knows he is going to be the starter. He he knows that he is the guy that they are going to focus on to build an offensive around, so... Hopefully that, well, not hopefully for me, but hopefully for Patriots fans that uh, can uh, help him improve as a potential uh, successor to Tom Brady. But if this season doesn't work, then I, I guess that kind of goes along with your theory, Mike, that they're trying to uh, uh, capitalize on the QB value for next year's draft, right? Yeah, I, I think they're going to tank and get Trevor Lawrence next year. <laughs> Pat, what, what, what's your thought on that theory? The Patriots are going to tank. <laughs> yeah, you know it's not the from 
a pure business perspective, not a, a terrible option. The Patriots fans would hate to have a terrible like two and fourteen team. They're not used to it, and it'd be a miserable season. But I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence is an absolute stud. So you know, wouldn't hate it for the uh, that strategy for the long run. Yeah, I I, I would not put it past Belichick, who who is compared to all the evil characters in any uh, fantasy film or any any story you've ever heard. You know, he's compared to Emperor Palpatine in Star Wars, that he's the ultimate villain. He's diabolical enough, I think, to pull this off where, you know, the Patriots have a bad season in 2020, but then 2021, they get Trevor Lawrence and they have another 20 years of success. I I, I would say if it were if I was doing a business plan, I would sacrifice one bad year for the next 20 great ones. You know, I think it's a good trade. I mean, but a lot of teams have done that in the past and it hasn't worked out. You know, there has been a lot of busts in the past, particularly Ryan Leaf and uh, good old Jamarcus Russell. You know, so that they're I mean, I know Trevor Lawrence is not going to be Ryan Leaf or Jamarcus Russell, but I I don't know if you can just throw all of your chips into one basket and hope that you, you strike gold. But but, but let, me, let, me, let me pose this. If Trevor Lawrence was eligible to be drafted this year. Do you think he would have been picked instead of Burrow by the Bengals? That, that's all you, Pat. I I think he would have definitely. He's a he's a way right. better pure prospect. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey the, man, the, but... the, the degenerate analyst has spoken, Drew. <laughs> hey, Joe Burrow had the greatest uh, college football season of all time. He did. He did. He did. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we'll see what the Patriots do. That's definitely going to be one of the most interesting storylines this upcoming year, just to see if the dynasty is finally over well, and the, we get and, to see a horrible season by the New England Patriots. Well, we said earlier that the NFC South is the most interesting division because all those teams are really good uh, or moderately. I, I mean, uh, three of them are really, really good, and I think the Panthers are good. But the AFC East, I think, is the most interesting division from a standpoint of who's going to win that division. It used to be just like everyone would dismiss who's going to win because it was always, you know, it's going to be New England. But now it's like, well, it's not going to be New England. Who's it going to be? Is it definitely going to be Buffalo? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a lot more up in the air compared to uh, the last few years. But, uh, Mike, is there anything else you wanted to cover? Uh, Nope, just that I hope the Giants picks work out. (laughs) <laughs> I'm nervous about that. I, I again, I really like their second pick with uh, McKinney at safety, um, and I do. I, I like that they went offensive line first, and they really went after offensive line. I mean, they uh, they drafted offensive line twice in their first three picks and three of their first five. So that was really a priority of theirs, and it should be because the Giants' offensive line has been mediocre, if not worse, from 2013 until now. So that definitely was a need they they needed to go after, and they uh, they went after Bradbury in free agency for the secondary. They picked a couple other secondaries in the draft, and they really went after a linebacker. Now they're stocked with a bunch of linebackers on the roster, and hopefully that'll improve their defense from being the 30th ranked defense to uh, hopefully a, a top tier defense in the next couple of years. All right. Well, to sum that, Mike is uh, very optimistic, Hopeful. even to a fault. Pat, is there anything else you you have for us? <laughs> Uh, not really. I think I'm good, boys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for coming on. We always hey, appreciate your on, insight. Pat. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, have a good one.